Mr. Carl Emily feels it would be a little unkind to present this picture without just a word of friendly warning. We are about to unfold the story of Frankenstein. It is one of the strangest tales ever told. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now is your chance to... Uh, well, we've warned you. Welcome to the Review to Death podcast. I'm Marcus. I'm Luke. And we do have a special guest tonight, but before we get there, I just wanted to thank everybody for the positive support on our 100th episode. Uh, we had a lot of listens, we had some comments, and uh, it was good to see. We, we always look forward to feedback, uh, and this was some, some, some nice, positive, makes you feel nice kind of feedback, and it was, it was really great to see. It's, it's, uh, it was, uh, you know, gave us the warm and fuzzy. So th- thanks a lot for checking us out. Thanks a lot for interacting. We look forward to uh, hopefully more of that in the future. And to one particular listener in Finland who left a comment on our written reviews and uh, just gave us some nice kind words, uh, some nice kind words about us, uh, about listening to us and stuff like that. So uh, choo choo motherfucker. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Thank thank you. Choo choo. That was great. (laughs) We appreciate it. We have a special guest tonight. It's our Frankenstein episode. And uh, I couldn't think of anybody better. Uh, to come in for the Frankenstein episode is uh, John, who happens to be my uncle. And the last time you heard him was for our Creep Show episode back in May. Hello, all. Uncle John here. Yes, and I, I, I am a uh, Frankenstein uh, freak, I guess you could say. Um, collect Frankenstein memorabilia. Uh, love watching the movies. It was uh, very enjoyable watching the Frankenstein, the, the 1931 edition, and uh, Bride of Frankenstein again uh, brought back some fond memories. You know, as I was growing up, one of the things about my Uncle John was that I always knew from an early age is that he was a Frankenstein guy. So his posters and his figurines and all that stuff, it was always up in his house. So I always knew who Frankenstein was, even at, I don't know, six, seven, eight years old. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I've had those for a long time. And, and, uh, Kind of how I got into it, and it goes back to like when I was six, seven years old, we used to go to uh, a department store downtown in Detroit called Hudson's. And I remember there was this little Frankenstein. It was probably 18 inches tall, and it walked. It was a little remote control thing, and I wanted it so bad. And so when I finally talked my parents to going back down for Christmas to get it for a Christmas present, they were sold out. <laughs> so I never ended up getting it. So I guess after that, I started collecting my own stuff. And uh, I probably have 50 or 60 pieces now of Frankenstein memorabilia. Well, that's awesome. Uh, Uncle John, uh, again, again, thank you for coming on the, on the pod. Uh, I'm going to call you Uncle John because I've been calling you Uncle John uh, or a version of that uh, <laughs> since, uh, I don't know, I can remember. For as long as I can. Yeah. We're, doing, we're doing a screen uh, or what do you call this? Like a video? conference deal yeah uh, we normally do these without looking at each other uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i can see the background of uh, uncle john uncle john's office there and yes there's lots of frankenstein stuff on the walls and shelves and um it looks spectacular so it's uh first of all great to see you again you as well and and, and uh yeah your office looks amazing it looks fucking badass <laughs> Well, thank you. What about the character made you want to collect all this stuff? Is it the look? Is it all of it? What is it? Yeah, I think it's, uh, I like black and white, first of all. I like black and white movies, and I like black and white uh, prints and things of that nature. And, and I think that's part of it drew me to that. But but I think it's the storyline. I think it's the, the monster. Um, I think it's the way the movie was shot. There are, there are a lot of things that, that drew me to it. So it was a variety of things. It wasn't just one thing. Can you share with us the first time you actually got to see the movies? Oh, God. I, you know, I, I, God, I, I, there used to be a, um, 
a, a TV host in Detroit called Sir Graves Gasly. And he'd show horror movies on on Saturday night or Saturday afternoon. So, you know, get get back in the house around three o'clock and that's when he was that's like we still had a black and white tv so everything was you know obviously in black and white and i remember starting to watch some of the classic horror movies on sir graves ghastly and um I, I think that's what really started my interest in all well horror movies in general but uh, he, he was kind of a, a character kind of a funny guy but still still haunting so kind of a Svengali type character, hey? Uh, you know, and I still I watch Svengali. I still I still watch. My wife thinks I'm nuts, but I'll sit there and uh, and, and watch. I'll fast forward through a lot of the stuff because I record all the episodes, <laughs> and you know, there's some of the corny stuff. But what what I do like about Svengali is that he does go through and talk about the cast and the characters, and and gives you a little bit of you know background on the movie and and, and so I, I enjoy that part of uh, of the show if hey marcus if you want to get me a, a christmas present you know you can get me a sven Gally <laughs> shirt <laughs> you know if i would be i would uh i would lose my chicago card if i did not sound if i did not play the uh well actually person and say that his name is actually his name is actually sven Gooley. Um, oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> I have to, man. He he he's Sanguilla, he's from yeah. he's from five minutes away from me. Right, right. You know, he always keeps making like the yeah. you know it's like it came from Berwyn. Right, so, uh, right. Uh, you damn, Berwyn. you damn out of towners, you damn out of towners. Stop, stop messing up the classic no name. No one cares. There. <laughs> <laughs> but I should know that. I feel bad now, Sanguli. Yeah. No, don't let Marcus make you feel bad. Don't don't let this guy. No, no, no. We're we're fine. We're me and you. We're good. (laughs) While we're on names, let's uh, let's clear up where you stand on the name of the monster. Are you sticklers for calling it Frankenstein's monster, the monster, or are you okay with the people calling it Frankenstein? I've always called it Frankenstein. I know in the movie credits it's called the monster until you know. Um, but, but there's a lot of things in, in the movie that, that really don't make a lot of sense, but we can talk about that in a little bit, but I, I've always called it just Frankenstein. Yeah. So, so my opinion is, it doesn't really matter. Cause I, I, this is my first time watching these movies. I I've always known him as Frankenstein. It wasn't until late in life that I learned that like, oh, that's not actually Frankenstein's Frankenstein's monster. So when I was watching these movies, uh, you know, for, you know, my first time, uh, when I was making my notes, I, I just called me the monster or Frankenstein's monster. You're usually just the monster. Um, but, um, yeah, I guess I'm not a big stickler about it. I've never cared too much either myself, especially with the movies. You know, I, I guess if you're like talking about the actual book, you might want to say Frankenstein's monster. Oh, sure. But here's another, here's another way of thinking about it too, that it's like, so Dr. Frankenstein created the monster. Wouldn't it be wouldn't it be easy to assume that his creation would take his last name anyway? <laughs> I, 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 I guess if you want to look at it that way. I suppose like if he called him Ike and it was just Ike Frankenstein, <laughs> I guess, sure. <laughs> well, well, if we're talking about names, is it Victor or is it Henry? Okay, oh, well, that's another one. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, well, if you're talking about the movies, it's it's Henry, right? Because in the <laughs> in the uh, in the book, it's Victor, right? And they they very specifically changed it to Henry because they yeah, thought well, Victor was too uh, foreign sounding. So they're like, oh, we can't name you know, oh, we can't oh. have a guy named Victor. Um, okay, so let's play off of that foreign <laughs> sounding, right? Right. They're in they're in Germany, Austria, wherever they are. Right. And they all right. have. And they english or british accents that was another you know the thing that they they should have somewhat of a german accent wouldn't you think you know (laughs) oh yeah that was that was so weird that whole dynamic i never really understood it It almost felt like there was like a british lord living in this bavarian village exactly (laughs) And, and yet the peasants and all the little village people all have bavarian accents or you know so it's like okay (laughs) <laughs> that was just kind of a interesting, definitely a mishmash there. But uh, anyway, and there was no political reasons at the time between 1931 no. and 1934. Didn't the rest of the world still like Hitler? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Right, and I believe they called Hitler uh, a promising up and comer. <laughs> uh, anyway, we watched two movies for tonight: Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. And uh, Luke, what's uh, what are these two about? Off the description of IMDb, uh, Doctor Henry Frankenstein <laughs> dares to tamper with life and death by creating a human monster out of a lifeless pile of body parts. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's the so that's the first story. one. That's that's Frankenstein. That's 1931's Frankenstein. Wow, that's pretty brief. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really need more than that, though? <laughs> that's all you need. <laughs> I guess. All right. And then things happen. And then Bride of Frankenstein would be... <laughs> like a direct continuation of that story. Uh, it's uh, it's basically... It, it's it's uh, I guess I never read the book. Did you guys ever read the book? Mary Shelley's book? You know why it, it, it's Frankenstein's horny and he wants a mate. That's right. what it comes down to. I think that's what it says on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> Frankenstein's horny and he wants a mate, or, or something <laughs> to the effect of that. Like yeah, the monster needs a mate. Is. But that's uh, that's pretty much it. It's just a continuation of that. Uh, after uh, the, I was actually surprised again, my first time watching both these movies. That uh, Bride of Frankenstein picks up almost immediately after the uh, the events of the first movie, with a, a little interesting interlude there, uh, with uh, <laughs> <laughs> played by well, there's a you know uh, with Mary Shelley, you know, being played by um, uh, the actress that actually plays the bride of, right. of Frankenstein, also, also Lanchester, yep. Lanchester, right? And it's 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 her, and it's uh, her husband Percy. And then Lord Byron, who's actually, Byron, I, yeah. I looked, yeah, I looked this guy up. He's actually considered like one of like the greatest English poets of all time. And uh, that little interlude that, that actually kind of sort of happened. That that was a thing that they did. They were like vacationing um, in Austria, I believe it was, and they were like reined in during this like shitty vacation. And all these like, you know, these these oh, there's also other people there too. There was like her like sister in law and whatever. I heard they all banged, but I'm not sure about that. Uh, but <laughs> but anyway, they they came up with this like parlor game with like they're you know they're all like intellectuals and they all like like to come up with stories and uh, you know who could, who come up with the best who could come up with the best story and uh, that was like the genesis of of the story of Frankenstein and uh, Mary Shelley ended up uh, you know you know writing this thing and this this novel it came out in 1818 which I didn't realize it was that long ago. Uh, and she was only 19 years old when she wrote it or when this, when the book came out, which is fucking crazy. Yeah. So yeah, that little interlude at the beginning of bride, that that's a, it's kind of like a, like a play on history. It was weird. <laughs> I have vague remembrances of being told that by my senior year English lit teacher. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Start back at the beginning, you know, hot off the success of Dracula. Universal wanted to make another one. So they went with Frankenstein, but uh, they got it themselves a new director by the name of James Whale. They wanted Bella Lugosi to actually play Frankenstein. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit during our Dracula episode briefly. Yeah. <laughs> and and I and I can read this little this little text that says here uh, it, it this is what Lugosi said he goes um by giving, uh, Dra he was in Dracula, and he goes, the monster role in the next horror ep, they were going to give him the monster role. Lugosi, however, who had been enjoying a stream of passionate fan mail after oh, yeah. his sexy and distinguished role as Count Dracula, <laughs> yep. immediately took a part that meant disfiguring his patrician features with makeup and speaking with no more than a grunt. <laughs> so, <laughs> see, it says he was unhelpful to Universal's chief makeup man, Jack Pierce, who eventually based <laughs> his creation on the monster, Der Golem. So, he was, so Lugosi didn't want to do this deal. And I guess they did a 20-minute a, a um, kind of test of, with him doing it, and the director laughed at him because I guess right. it was so horrible. Yeah, I, I so. we, the, the, yeah, it's like a twenty or yeah, like you said, twenty or thirty minute thing that has been just lost in time. Like no yeah. one, we'll, we'll probably never see it unless it exists in some like secret vault in Hollywood somewhere. But yeah, apparently it was it was awful, and uh, the way he looked was more like a like a golem, like a classic golem, you know, with like right. the the straight hair that goes down the side, and 
yeah, it, it sounds absolutely ridiculous. So, so here's, it said, despite Lugosi's contemptuous parting comments to the effect that the creature was so covered in makeup, that the studio might as well get an extra to play him. <laughs> so, so he's pretty much saying, you know, anybody can play this role. Right. Nobody and after, knows what he's going to look like anyways. Exactly. And after Dracula, he was like, but I am a great actor. I can't right, do this. Right. This is uh, yep. below me. So, you know, yeah. yeah. So they, yeah, they did it that way. Uh, it's actually, it's kind of funny. Uh, the, the, the parallels between the, you know, how Dracula came to the silver screen and how Frankenstein came to the silver screen are, are, are kind of amazing. Uh, you know, Dracula came to the attention of universal pictures because of a, a play that uh, started right. on Broadway in 1927, which is the exact same thing that happened with Frankenstein. It was a Broadway production uh, started in 1927 uh, by a producer called Hamilton Dean, who, Hamilton Dean, who also produced that uh, Dracula play. Uh, it, you know, it's written by Peggy uh, uh, Webling. I mean, it was, uh, it, it's kind of amazing. You know, it got to Broadway. It came again to uh, uh, the attention of Carl Lemley Jr., who was the uh, son of the the uh, the founder of Universal Pictures. And he was like the big horror fan. His father was like, nah, this horror stuff is stupid. Let's not do any of this stuff. But his his son was like, yeah, this is going to be the next big thing. And he was, you know, and he was, he was right. You know, eventually James Wales uh, name came up because of, um, he, he was, he had some success over in England uh, um, with this play called Journey's End, which became like a big hit. And Hollywood at this time really, really wanted directors that had uh, uh, experience working with talking actors <laughs> because all of a sudden there's talkies. So we need right. directors that know how to direct actors that are speaking. Um, and then, um, yeah, the rest is kind of history. You know, it, it, that's uh, kind of how it came onto screen. It's pretty amazing. When, you know, when, when, you, when you look at how, how they found Boris Karloff, you, you're talking about James Wales and how, you know, they're looking for somebody. And, you know, you look at Boris Karloff and he's not a really good looking guy and it kind of fit the profile <laughs> profile you know right no he is he is definitely like frankenstein would not have been as popular a character if it wasn't him no. it's just his face shape and everything lends itself to what the character should be well they, they said he had a partial plate not a plate but like dental dentures and he popped out the the partial so his face would sink in on his right. jaws so that it kind of enhanced the makeup as well you know, there's kind of a funny story about how he got he got casted too. Is um, Boris Karloff is kind of a late comer to Hollywood. He he didn't uh, make Frankenstein until he was 41 years old, right? Right. So hey, Marcus, man, me and you, man, this is that's how old we are right now, <laughs> man. It big, can still happen for us. Coming up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what what ended up happening was he would um, so Karloff, who I mean, his story is interesting, but it's just not as interesting as some of the other people that are involved in this story. But he, he was he was working as an actor for for years and years. He had like I don't like many many movies before this one. He just played like bit parts here and there, and so he got real dressed up and was like his his best duds he was hanging out at this uh, cafe in Hollywood, and uh, you know feeling real handsome, you know doled up to the nines. And uh, just what happens, James Wales was in that same cafe or cafeteria, whatever it was. And he looked over at uh, Karloff and he was like, man, that guy could be a fucking great hideous monster. <laughs> Which when uh, when Karloff heard this, he was like kind of insulted, like, man, I really thought I looked good. You know, like, you, you know, this... <laughs> but um, yeah, that and that's how he ended up being chosen for the role. It's funny. I'm reading kind of some some uh, little lines out of here. It said, uh, "When Whale offered him the part of Frankenstein's monster, Karloff seized upon it. He later commented on the role. It changed my life. I was just another actor until then. It made me a personality. That's right. So, yeah. So I mean, that kind of, it did. It changed his life. He went from you're right being this two bit actor doing these little bit parts in gangster movies to like a superstar actor right like he literally would like drive a cement truck and would do right. all these like 
you know, like dig ditches and shit in between acting jobs. I mean, he was like far from a lucrative actor. So, right. Yeah, it wasn't until Frankenstein that is, uh, you know, his star really started to shine. And so of the movie itself, like um, like Dracula 31, we talked about this last time. It's still, you know, like they're still figuring out movies. This one still does not have like a music score. It has a uh, it has, uh, you know, a little bit at the beginning, a little bit at the end. But otherwise, you're right. It, it, there was no music score throughout the whole movie. Um, right. And that was yeah, it was just and you're right. It was just intro and, and on the uh, credits. Right, we kind of talked about that too because they just didn't trust audiences to figure out what that was. Like they just like they figured if if audiences heard music and it wasn't coming out of a specific source that was you know shown on screen, people just wouldn't understand why there's music. A lot of it was just it just seems like from what I've read, these early filmmakers just absolutely did not trust their audience <laughs> into figuring out you know what kind of. Uh, you know, storytelling uh, techniques they were using. But take it into Bride of Frankenstein, complete audio track to that. Oh, yeah. They're, 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 it's yeah. very very suspenseful music, follows the storyline. It was very well done, actually. Yeah, Franz, Franz Waxman uh, just nails it. He starts, Marcus, you, I don't know if you have something to say about this guy, but he, he, he does an awesome job. He starts doing, like, uh, themes for certain characters, which is, this has to be one of the first times that's ever been done. Right. Yeah. Franz Maxman was sort of the first like great music uh, composer for film and sort of by accident. He never really wanted to do it. He didn't actually like it very much. He didn't find it very stimulating. So he actually only did like, I don't know, anywhere from like nine to 14 movies. It's not a lot because he hit a certain point in his career and he's like, you know, fuck this shit. I'm done with movies. And he just wrote a lot of, you know, just, orchestral works of his own just to be performed but yeah he was like one of the the first ones and you know it, if you think about it in a weird way it's like you wouldn't you really wouldn't have john williams unless you had franz waxman right 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 yeah he, he, he seems job. like the granddaddy of them all like and it's it's and his his work on uh, on bride man and like you know you there's videos on youtube where you can like you know uh watch like a classic movie for example like jaws and they take the score away and like, listen, you know, watch this classic scene without this classic music and you watch it and you're like, oh, wow, this is like huge. Like right. this doesn't work. And then they put this, the score back in. You're like, OK, yeah. And uh, that's kind of how I felt when I when when Bride while watching Bride for the first time, I was like, oh, my God, like this is like this is yeah, this is how kind of how it started. Like it was uh, it was kind of a revelation. It was it's amazing. It's it sounds so good, too. But but it was interesting to watch Frankenstein, and maybe that's just because it's one of my favorite movies. I did not miss a movie or a music soundtrack. No, not at all. In in, in the movie, it, it kept adds captivated to it. enough. Yeah, yeah. The silence adds to the feeling of it. It's, right, right. I, man, I agree. If people, if people were freaked out by Dracula, I don't know how they handled Frankenstein. Because there are, like, if you, Luke and I talked about this on the last podcast, where it's like, when you're watching these movies now, uh, you have to, like, sort of transport yourself back to what right. an audience member was seeing. Because, like, none of this stuff is creepy, quotation marks, now. Like, we've seen so much other stuff. But, like, parts of Dracula are tame compared to Frankenstein. They actually had uh, somebody doing a, a commentary at the beginning of the movie for Frankenstein talking about this, you know, may shock you or, you know, kind of letting you know this is going to be kind of horrific and be prepared. <laughs> I forgot I forgot what the guy's name was. Uh, and I, I just saw it recently. But uh, well, it's the same guy that plays the doctor later doctor, in the movie. And he also yeah. he also played Van Helsing in Dracula. I can't remember his name. Yeah, Luke, I'm sure has it. Edward Van Sloan. Yeah, he was uh, he was Van Helsing. But but. Take it back to what you said, Marcus, and, and and if you go back into the movie, when they first introduced the monster, right, you were talking about how, you know, horrific or, or how it, the people would have per perceived this. Um, what, when, when they first introduced the monster, if you realize he came in backwards, he, he walked I in did. Backwards. It's a little bit, it's, it's a little awkward. comical. <laughs> it's awkward. But then they show a close-up, another close-up, 
and then a, a super close up. There's three shots, so you're only you're looking at him first when he turns around. That's one shot. Then they zoom in to a second shot to his face. Then they go a really tight shot. So if you ever watch it, so think about you sitting in the movie theater and all of a sudden you're looking at this guy's face across the big screen. I mean, and super close <laughs> up. And it was it was pretty, like you said, it, it, I'm sure it took people back. Wait, wait a minute. What about backwards? He, walked, he fucking when, moonwalked back into the thing. You didn't notice that? When they, <laughs> no. when they first show him, he they they show his back. Yeah, uh-huh. and then he turns around when he when they oh. first he turns around, and then yeah. they, that's when he's zooming on his face. Yeah. He like shuffles backwards into the room. Yeah, I didn't it's kind of weird. Even think about that, but yeah, you're right. He fucking moonwalks into the scene. Yeah, yeah, huh. kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, like 31 minutes into the movie. Yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah because when he's wrapped up at the beginning before he gets that jolt of electricity he's always covered you don't ever see the guy you right, don't actually right. see him get up off the table either right no you see like a hand moving right it's alive <laughs> it's <Yeah>. alive <laughs> now i know what it feels like to be god <laughs> which by the way was uh back in the day that line uh oh my god. not popular they, they, yeah it cut it out bad. Yeah, banned in a couple of different cities and countries, yeah. Even when they put the other scenes in the movie that they had originally cut out, when they put those back in, they still yeah. didn't put that God line back in. Because it was yeah. blasphemy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, big time. Yeah, they were not happy about that. And, uh, you know, by the time Bride came out, that uh, the, I believe it's called the Hayes Code, right? It was introduced. Uh, it was like a code of decency in Hollywood where it was kind of like an agreed yeah. upon thing. There's so much pressure from you know evangelicals and and, and, and religious groups uh, to you know they're saying that Hollywood was corrupting you know sure. the youth of America oh, yeah. and, and all that stuff and and they were like okay well they all got together and they came up with this this code and uh, the, the first Frankenstein was before that so once that code came into uh, came into play it came into play earlier than this but it became enforced. Uh, I believe around 34, 35. And then, yeah, they they started taking stuff out of movies, out of those older, you know, like the earlier 30s movies. Like, for example, in Dracula, you know, when when Dracula gets staked off screen, because everything happens off screen in that movie, uh, he gets, when he gets staked, you hear like a moaning. They took the moaning out, you know, stuff like that. It was just really weird little things that they just thought was indecent. So talk about how the movies actually look. And that's the reason why you're watching the movies nowadays, to see the aesthetic and the the way they built the sets. And one of the things that I loved, well, two of the things is uh, in particular is the castle's awesome. Frankenstein's yes. like castle laboratory is awesome. Watch it, you know, actually. Just like angular lines. I don't know if either of you guys have seen The Cabin of Dr. Caligari, that silent mm-hmm. movie, that German silent movie. I haven't, but it's come up a lot in my research for this. There's a lot of like angular lines in that movie and a lot of like long shots and one shot in particular in Frankenstein. I really loved it. In fact, I paused it on there just to look at it for a little bit. Uh, it's really cool. It's when um, uh, 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 Frankenstein's soon to be wife, his fiance and uh, his friend, the the victor in the story come to like, you know, see what's going on at the castle and like they're knocking on the door. And before he comes down, before the doctor comes down, he stands at like the window above the door. Right, mm-hmm. right. And it's just got like his shadow in the window and the window is sort of like, it doesn't look like it's perfectly square. Right. And then you can see the people on the ground too. It's just an amazing shot. I love the way it looks. So so let's take that scene. Okay. And here, here's a little funny thing. So he sends down Fritz, right? To go open the door or tell him he's not, he's busy, right? Right. Right. And so he he goes to the door, he opens the window, says, he's busy, he can't see you. And he closes the door. Now, Fritz is going to turn around and he's going to walk back up the stairs. But he stops and he picks up his sock. Did you see that? Or he he goes and he stops and he pulls up his sock before he goes up the stairs. And it's like, that's classic, man. It's like (laughs) right in the middle of the freaking movie. Fritz the Hunchback goes and pulls up his sock because he's going to run up the stairs, right? I just thought that was funnier than hell. Fritz is Dwight Fry in this one, you know. Right, you got to get right. the actors in from 
Dracula. He's not as as manic in this one. But I wonder if that was like Dwight Fry just being like, "Oh, my sock fell down," or <laughs> if he made a con- or if he made a conscious decision to do that. It's just I like it's such a it's such like a uh, like a meaningless like act of normalcy in the middle of all this like weirdness. right, right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like such a throwaway, but at the same time, like it adds to his character so much. And you know the 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 look of the movie. You know, we're talking about the look of the movie. Um, uh, James Whale is you know he, he's from England. He was heavily inspired by uh, German expressionism, which were like the uh, you know the nineteen uh, the nineteen twenties, like the silent films coming out of Europe. They were you know out of Germany. They were you know a, a lot of them were you know look this way. And the way German expressionism is, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, like the the characteristics of it are like, you know, like high extreme angles, uh, deep shadows, uh, you know, like chiaroscuro uh, type, you know, like uh, scenes, you know, where it's the actor's faces uh, lit up by, you know, like a, like a, a candle, you know, like and everything else is dark, for example. And then fantastical sets. And, you know, the sets in these movies are amazing. You know, they're designed by a guy named Kenneth Strickfaden. And, uh, man, do they look cool. And they became kind of like a staple going forward for these universal uh, monster movies. You know, with, like, the lightning and the, you know, all the, you know, the buttons and the bleeps and the boops and the what have you. It just, it fucking looks great. But, but Mark, you go back to your point where, you know, and then going back, Fritz coming down that, that stairway... And the walls and the door are, and, and it goes to what Luke's saying is the angles and the darks and yeah. the lighting just enhances that whole, in, in the height of, of all those sets. Man, those things had to be, I mean, when you look at this, how high they were when shooting that, that scene, that stairwell had to be, what, 50, 60 feet long. Oh, well, they, yeah. they're like gigantic. Yeah. Yeah. And they feel like vertical. it too. Yeah. Yeah. Very vertical for sure. Can we talk about the upgrade that the laboratory scene gets from Frankenstein 31 to Bright Bright of oh Frankenstein? Oh my god. Oh Jesus. my god. Yeah. Like, like in the original one, he, Frankenstein gets raised up to the ceiling and right. then you hear something and he comes back down, but in the second one you got explosions. Oh yeah. Kite kites, you got kites and <laughs> Yeah, and the kites. Dropping, and they're dropping down wires to plug in to the table before they raise the table. It's like, yeah, there was a lot of a lot of things going on electronically electronically or like with electricity oh absolutely it felt like the last 15 minutes of bride of frankenstein is is a lot, a lot of it is just dedicated to showing how cool the fucking laboratory is you know between of all that stuff and the kites and the the, the lights you're getting you know uh fucking uh <laughs> dwight fry getting murdered for the second time uh it's uh hold, it's, on, hold on a second can we talk about that for a second because he's in the first movie as fritz who right. gets killed by the monster? Right, right. Hung, One of the hung, scenes right. they actually they cut out him torturing the monster first. Deservedly so. Got. <laughs> and then they just brought him back in in the second one. Same <laughs> character, same same guy, Dwight Fry again, different character, just to get thrown off the roof by Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great, man. That's uh, yeah. it's awesome. It's like they needed the, that twitchy, you know, weird character. It's like who do we get? Dwight Fry, yeah. baby, because right. that's yeah, who's playing these characters right now. And uh, yeah, let's just kill him again. Why the hell not? Yeah, he plays Carl in the second movie. Uh, and yeah. Fritz the Hat Hunchback in the first movie. And um, right. man, he's a fucking dick in both. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He torments the monster constantly. Yeah. Which was, it's a great kind of funny reveal. When the door opens up and like after he just gets done like tormenting uh, the monster, next thing you see is uh, Fritz hanging from like, yeah, a rope. Yeah. <laughs> he's just dead. <laughs> In the second one, he's he's like this murderer dude working for Doctor uh, Pretorius, who just like he's the one that kills that young girl who ends up becoming the bride. Yeah, he takes the he takes the lead of the Mad Doctor over from Colin Clive because he's done with it. In the second one, but, but kind of. You, 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 <laughs> Going back to to Doctor Pretorius and and Luke, what you said about the uh, the lighting, there is a couple scenes when they're doing the bride where they show Pretorius's face and Henry's face, and they're just lit like suddenly lit, and they're showing like a, a, a bird's eye view of their faces. Yes, 
really intense. And they show Pretorius, they show Henry, they show Pretorius, and they show all the sparks and their faces being lit up by by uh, just the bolts of lightning. So that's pretty intense. It's visual. It's- awesome it's awesome it's it's like it's like yeah like you say it's like a close-up view of their faces it's almost like uh it's like when you hold up a flashlight underneath your chin exactly yeah but the the camera angle captures every shadow and it just looks so cool and that the last 15 i mean the whole movie is is great we can talk about that in a minute but like the man the last 15 20 minutes of bride are like epic epically great yeah but, but you got to well, and, and so I know we're bouncing around here a little bit, but when you talk it's about okay. Bride too, there, there's a, man, our boy Frankenstein starts uh, partying in that movie. <laughs> yeah, he does. The hermit, the hermit teaches him bad things. It's, friends, it's, hard, friends. it's hard to take that scene seriously because of Mel Brooks. Like everything else I'm fine with. I can look at it through the rose colored glasses of 1931 or 1934. Right. But that scene with the blind guy, and I cannot <laughs> stop laughing because of Young Frankenstein. It, it ruined oh, that scene. You can't. You, you cannot see it as anything but comedy. Well, well that. But, oh, go ahead. The, go the ahead. real thing about 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 him offering him, you know, wine, <laughs> and then oh, cigars. He teaches him how to talk, man. Right. Brad, Brad, good, fire, bad. <laughs> he teaches him how to talk. He teaches him how to drink wine. He teaches him how to smoke cigars. Uh, they, and Frankenstein loves that shit. <laughs> and so then it, he runs it. Then he runs into Pretorius in the catacombs, right? And he's sitting there having a party on a casket, right? Fra- Frankie rolls around the corner and sees the wine and the cigars and goes, "Hey, I'm going to hang with this guy." <laughs> he's got the well, shit I like. Yeah. And Dr. Pretorius is like, it doesn't have much of a reaction. He's like, oh, it's you. Yeah, right. I, th- I think he literally I mean, says, like, I thought I was here by myself. You want some yeah. wine and cigars? He's like, yeah. You build me a mate. It's like, okay, right. He jumps right from one thing. It's like, you build me a mate. It's like, okay, well, how do we get to that point so quick? You know? <laughs> Well, think about from from Frankenstein's perspective. All of a sudden, he meets this dude. He's he's just he just got chased by an angry mob, one of many angry mobs in these movies that he got chased by. He's like Jesus fucking Christ, these fucking mobs, and he goes down into this crypt, and there's just this dude hanging out, smoking cigars, drinking wine, the shit he likes, and not only that. He's like, yeah, you want this stuff? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, you want a wife? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> it's great. Oh, yeah. It's completely yeah. on board. And Pretorius is such a great over-the-top character, man. I, I, I love it. I love it. He's, he's so good. My, my, my one question about Pretorius is, like, he made these cool little, the little people, what are they called? There, there's a name for them. Oh, yeah. Called. Um, the the like homunculus people. or something Homo- like that. Yeah, yeah. homunculus, uh, something like. Well, great think, effect. Great effect for 1934. Oh, really Absolutely. good. The little king getting out of the jar and trying to yeah. get to the queen, and you know, he looks like he's ready. He wants to go bang the good queen as well. Oh, he's big trying time. to get a little, yeah. super horny. <laughs> but, but, but if he can make these little people, why couldn't he make them bigger? <sighs> you know, he's got, he's got a I'm size sorry. issue. <laughs> 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 hey, by the way, did you guys know uh, Dr. Pretorius's first name? Anybody? No, I never picked it up. Uh, it. Septimus. <laughs> it's Dr. Septimus, Septimus. Pretorius. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that's great. That's, okay. that's the best evil scientist name ever. He's played by Ernest uh, Thessinger, by the way. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, that guy is fantastic. I love that dude. It, it, yeah. Good actor in it. One thing that I enjoyed that they made this conscious decision between Frankenstein 31 and Bride of Frankenstein is I really enjoyed how they changed your feelings towards the monster. Whereas in the first one, you could have stayed on the whole fence, like the fence for the whole movie. Cause like, you know, he's, he's not incredibly likable. He's like, he's not good or bad. You can tell he's messing things up. He does kill a kid, which is still pretty, pretty giant. I mean, not you know he doesn't know what he's doing, but they had that scene. They had that scene where her father's carrying her limp body through the, through the through the town square. I'm like, man, now that's like that's pretty jarring. Yeah. So it's like, like you don't 
you don't really feel for the monster in the first movie, but in the second movie you do. It's like, man, just leave this guy alone. So they were talking about talking about that scene. They said that that scene where the actor that had to carry that little girl, it was a long walk carrying this limp body, and he's got to hold his arms out straight, and she's got to be limp this whole time. Yeah, they said it was a, one of the hardest shots to make in the whole movie to keep the girl looking like she was dead and keep the guy carrying her without you know and he had to walk quite a ways in that scene yeah. with her being limp it, it was it was quite quite a a good scene you know oh for sure i i will say that i i bet you uh a boris karloff would argue that uh him having to carry fucking 154 pound um colin clive up those uh, stairs in the mill oh, yeah. over and over again uh, <laughs> was harder because uh, he fucked up his back during that. And, yeah. and for the rest of his life, he had back problems because of that shit. Because uh, James Whale was like, no, no, we got to do this like eight uh. more times. <laughs> uh, hey, going back to that, going back to that, uh, uh, the little girl, it was, it was, it's her name is Little Marie. It's a little girl that gets, uh, you know, she's. She's throwing flowers in the in the you know in the the pond. It's like a famous scene, right? Right. Uh, and, and you know the monster comes up upon her, and she's like, "Oh, hey, you know, <laughs> come yeah, on, buddy. hang out." <laughs> and you know, she's throwing flowers, and he sees her enjoying throwing flowers, and she runs out of flowers, and he's like, "Oh, I I can make you float," and he you know if I can toss her, and of course you know it's it's tragic. She dies. Um, that scene, there's actually a funny story about that. Is um, so Carla threw her in the water, and he didn't want to throw her too far, and she didn't float. So Whale was like, "Okay, we got to do this again. This doesn't look good on screen. So how about this? How about we throw you? I'll give you anything you want." He's talking to the little girl now. Her name is, by the way, the actress was uh, Marilyn Harris. I'll give you whatever you want in the world if if we can just throw you d- deeper into this lake and then if you just sink just just sink because you weren't sinking before and she goes um okay that's fine we'll do it uh if you give me a dozen hard boiled eggs because that was her oh. favorite snack of all time oh, oh. and then James Whale fucking produced that shit he was like yeah here you go here's some 12 hard boiled eggs baby oh my God. <laughs> Well, he got out on the cheap on that, didn't he? <laughs> Fucking A, right? Like, that was the snack. That's all that little girl wanted. She could have asked for, like, a pony or whatever, but no, 12 hard-boiled eggs. <laughs> but, but but take that scene farther after he throws her in, and, and the monster actually feels bad about her yeah. dying. It's a and, sad and, scene. Yeah. And and they said that uh, Karloff was pretty much um, a, a pretty good mime, and so it was, he was using his expressions and his hands to really show the angst. And, and he did a really good job on like freaking yeah. out a little bit on it. And, and you see that you, you talked about it in, in the second movie as well, where he saves a girl from drowning. Right. And yeah, then, right. And, and then he learns. And, and then, yeah. And then the hunters come in and go, Hey, he's just killed that girl. And which is, <laughs> wrong he just saved her life and then they start shooting at him you know right they shoot him in the arm yeah (laughs) so it's like you feel kind of bad for him you know but you're right mark's going back to you 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 sympathize you're on the fence in the first movie kind of feel bad for him because here he is all alone and kind of has some feelings but there's nobody there you know to to kind of help him out because you go back to Fritz kind of torturing them. And after that, he kind of goes off on the nut a little bit, you know, after yeah. they tortured him. And mm-hmm. the feelings kind of went out the window. So, yeah, for for sure. Right? That, that's why that scene with the hermit is so sad and bride because he finally finds someone that like doesn't Fred. run from him. And he, 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 he has a friend and, you know, he teaches him things, you know, vices. But whatever he teaches him, things. and then the hunters fuck it up again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and before you know it, there's fire again, which is you know his fucking nemesis. By the way, can I talk about real quick a scene that I laughed real, real hard at, which 
I think it's intentional because James Whale, in, in especially for Bride, he intention he intended the, that movie to be uh, a lot funnier than the first one. He he wanted to to infuse it with some humor because of how kind of ridiculous the premise was, especially for the '30s. But there there's a scene in Bride uh, after he gets chased by a mob for like whatever <laughs> umpteenth time when he he's running in the woods. And he comes upon a gypsy family. You guys remember the, oh, yeah. remember the, yeah, the yeah, gypsy yeah. family that's just mm-hmm. out in right, the woods? Right. It's like yeah. a, like a dad, and there's a couple of like younger girls, and there's like this like cranky ass like matriarch who is just like really pissed off all the time because uh, she keeps saying like we got no pepper and salt, and then the, <laughs> right. and then and the, and the and the dad's like I'll get the pepper and salt, and she's like ah. And then uh, <laughs> fucking Frankenstein just just barrels into the sea, and everyone screams. And all he wants is the chicken that's over chicken, the fire. Right. Right. And so he fucking forgets again that fire is bad. So he reaches in. And he's like, oh! <laughs> Never gets the chicken either. He never gets the chicken. He gets chased by more mob people. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny. But it's not funnier than Uno O'Connor, the crazy old lady. Oh, yes. That's just Mimi. hamming it up Mimi, the entire yeah. movie. <laughs> I saw when she when she first sees him being resurrected out of the windmill, right? And oh yeah, she goes, "I saw him, I saw him." And goes, Shut up, you old bat! <laughs> and they oh. kind of blow her off. She's back in the castle, right? They're bringing in the dead body of Victor and stuff, or Henry, I, I should say. And, and they're kind of blowing her off. She said, "Okay, I saw the monster." And he's saying, "No, you didn't. Go away." <laughs> And she's like, okay, fine. Fuck you guys. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you all die. And (laughs) And she's the maid. Then you find out she's the maid. It's like, oh yeah, no, she's great. Her her reaction when, when, when Frankenstein first comes out of the hole where the mill used to be in Bride, I actually, I rebounded. it. I'm like, man, this is like some Abbott and Costello stuff right here. It's, it's, it was, it was good. It was really funny. The old, the, 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 the one village guy goes in there and go falls into the into the mill right and so that's 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 maria's dad that's the right maria's dad that whole family gets decimated in that (laughs) (laughs) he 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 drowns him and then he's coming out and the mom's there lending her her hand and he pulls (laughs) her her off the stairs into the water it's like yep there goes that family so much for that gene pool right Every one of them gets murdered by the monster. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Another thing that really made me laugh, it was such a small thing too. I don't know if you picked up on it or not, but back in the original movie, the 1931 Frankenstein, how they keep cutting back to, um, you know, like the Frankenstein Manor and they're having, you know, they're celebrating the the marriage or the upcoming nuptials and stuff like that. And they, they do, it's like, oh, let's do a toast, toast with, uh, oh, you yeah. know, we'll have the good stuff and the, the servants can have the champagne or whatever. That was so right. fucking you know, weird. A, <laughs> and there's one servant, there's one maid that it's like, has had enough of this shit. Because I don't know if you noticed, they like, all right. And they, he toasts like the, the head butler guy gives all the maids right. some champagne and they all like, oh, toast to the Frankenstein house. And they all drink like super prim and proper. And the last maid in the line, she's like, fuck this shit. She chugs it. And he puts it down and like smiles and nods her head. Yeah. Oh, I missed it. I just, because no, I, yeah, I was taken aback because that's like the last, very last thing that happens in the original Frankenstein. And it was after, you know, we had this insane scene at the end of that movie where, uh, you know, Frankenstein, uh, you know, he, he chases uh, Henry into that mill and then he fucking tosses him off the top of the mill and he bounces <laughs> off one of the blades and then the which, which he somehow survives and then yes. the, uh, you know and then the, the 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 villagers burn all that shit down and they're like celebrating and then we get this weird ass fucking scene with Baron Frankenstein the dad of Henry Frankenstein right. he's this right. like obnoxious like rich british guy and he's like all right, you know, the 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 maids want to go in there to, to see if their master is okay. And he's like, no, no, no. Uh, he doesn't want that right now. Uh, let's uh, let's all have a toast outside this room right now. And it's like, oh my God, what is happening? And then the movie just ends. And I'm like, what? yeah, right. It was so weird. But, but, anyway. but it's funny. It's funny how, how after he gets tossed off, he comes back to life, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Henry does. It's like, okay, you, you, you got dropped like 
quite a ways. You hit the windmill thing, and and, and yet you're still alive. I mean, it's like okay. He literally did the fucking propeller thing in Titanic, right. and he bounced off yeah. the yeah, like yeah. he bounced off of that, but one of the blades off the mill, and then he <laughs> and then he hits the ground, and he's like, I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> So oh, as far yeah. as the as far as the bride goes, um, you know, as, as for as much as that character has become such a like an iconic monster staple that's still around to this day, like the actual bride doesn't really show up until that last twenty minutes, and uh, it's it's played by that Elsa Lanchester. And this funny thing for me is that because I hadn't actually I've seen Bride of Frankenstein before, but it's been a long time, and. Um, Elsa Lanchester had a very long career and did lots of stuff. She was actually in Mary Poppins. Yep. And But that's not where I recognized her because I kept looking at her face. And I'm like, I know that face. And um, I figured out where I first saw her is uh, back when I was in high school, I really got into I Love Lucy. You know, the you know the comedy, the iconic comedy. I watched I Love Lucy. And there's one episode, and this is really cool that they did this for that because they were obviously paying homage to her role as Bride of Frankenstein a little bit, is that she's in this episode where Lucy is trying to get to Florida. It's called Off to Florida, and her and Ethel are uh, need a ride. So they hitchhike, and Elsa Lanchester picks him up in her car and is driving him along to Florida and they keep hearing these like radio reports of a killer on the loose and they think and they think that it's Elsa Lanchester and it's like that whole like like oh. oh she's like she's doing something in the trunk she must be getting something you know and it's like and that's the first time i saw her oh wow that's funny i i i i swear to god i've watched all those episodes i i loved that show when i was a kid i used to watch it on um Oh, whatever channel it would come on, but um, man, I don't remember that. I, I I would love to see that again. That that's great. By the way, uh, her bride doesn't show up in uh, Bride of Frankenstein until minute seventy out of a seventy-five minute movie. <laughs> <laughs> the part that she plays, I mean, they do a great job. I mean, she's kind of like a, almost like her reflexes are like cat-like, where she's just turning. Yeah, and she being jerks real, her head around. Jerks her head, yeah. And she kind of looks pretty hot in the movie, you know. She does. Um, you know, and it, it, but you go back to the beginning of the movie, she kind of looks kind of frumpy. But then <laughs> when she's got all the makeup on and the hair going, it's like, oh. Oh, yeah. For for, for <laughs> sure. I, I watched the making of that came. That was on the, the, the Blu-ray of uh, Bride. And, um, you know, one of the things uh, they, they were talked about is her makeup. And they said, like, yeah, we – we can't have a, a not hot monster at the end. Yeah. Like she can't, the bride can't not be anything but like smoking hot. So the only thing they did was, you know, Jack Pierce, you know, famous, famous, famous legendary uh, makeup artist. You know, he, he's done, he did all the monsters, uh, right. Wolfman, all that stuff. Uh, by the way, not very well liked apparently uh, around Universal. Apparently he was kind of a dick. <laughs> like he fucking ran that place with the, uh, uh, you know, with an iron fist. So when you were in his chair, you fucking, uh, you know, you listen to, to Jack Pierce. I don't know if you guys are going to be able to see this or not, but there's a picture of him. Look how oh, yeah. oh yeah, that's the famous picture. I've seen that a few times. Yeah, I guess, that was, I guess yeah, that was his face, his face all the time. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, you didn't say hi to Jack Pierce. You had to wait until Jack Pierce said hi to you. You know, <laughs> he was one of those guys. And, uh, you know, he, he, all the makeup that he did, you know, there was, this was unprecedented shit. Uh, so he was, it was all like out of the box. There was no like, right. you know, there's no blueprints, you know, no like, oh, how did they do this last time? There was no fucking last time. It was right. just him coming up with a bunch of stuff. I don't remember the materials that he used anymore. And there was like cotton and like a bunch of like, you know, green and gray grease paint or whatever. But uh, right. uh, going back to my original point, when it came to uh, uh, making up um, the bride, the bride, uh, uh, who's, uh, what's her name? Oh, Elsa, right? Elsa, Elsa Lanchester. Yeah. Lanchester. Uh, so they came up with like, okay, we got to keep her hot. So the only thing we're going to do is we're going to make the hair crazy. And we're going to do the scars, you know, underneath her, her chin uh, going right. down behind yeah. the ears. Uh, and by the way, uh, Elsa uh, Lanchester fucking hated that dude. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. she did. Yeah. Uh, typical, uh, yeah. <laughs> typical thirties, yep. uh, uh, male behavior, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> but take, go back to when, when they took her, when they, when they brought her down 
and they kind of stood her up, and they had she has the bandages on, like yeah. the yes. wrap. <clears throat> she even looked good then. She I did. mean, well, they yeah, had a, they 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 yeah. had it tight in on her body. Yeah, I mean, exactly, they knew what they yeah. were doing. No, it was it was like, and then and then when they unwrap her and she comes out with the flowing gown and all that, it was yeah. like, yeah, that was pretty. It's awesome. It's yeah, awesome. It, was... it is iconic. And um, and then man. she like she like screams the rest of the movie. She, right. she, she yeah. screams. Yeah. And again, how how heartbreaking. You finally figure, okay, <laughs> Frankenstein's finally going to get his buddy, right, or whatever. <laughs> that the Pretorius, right, yeah. piece, maybe even more than a buddy. And <laughs> you know, Pretorius promised him all this stuff, and then she reacts exactly the same way that everybody else has reacted to him. Which I think is something that he even says. He's like, same as everyone else. Yeah. Uh, but dude, there's a scene at the very end, right before he pulls the self-destruct lever, which I don't know why that's there, uh, <laughs> where she like hisses at the screen. Uh, right. That was the first time in any of these classic movies where I like, I was legitimately like disturbed, like, holy shit, what the fuck? Like when she does that hiss, <laughs> yes. yeah, like, that was really that. Like I'm like, oh my god, like that scared yeah. me. <laughs> so anyway. And then kaboom. Yeah. <laughs> Pull the self-destruct. That, yeah, that was a, yeah. You live, I, I die. You know? Oh, yeah, he's talking to uh, to, uh, to Henry and, and, and yeah. um, Elizabeth. He's like, uh, yeah, you you live, you I live. die. We belong dead, right? I think that's what yeah, he says. Yeah. yeah. She's talking about him and the bride and uh, and Pretorius. And uh, and then, yeah, and then that's, that's how that one ends. Great so, movie. So give me your final thoughts on the first two Frankenstein movies. You know, uh, again, I, I can't say enough about them. They are my probably two of my all-time favorite movies. Um, always, I always enjoy watching them. I, I, I look for new little nuances every time. Um, I hadn't seen The Bride of Frankenstein in probably, you know, five, eight years. So it was, it was a real joy to watch it again. And, you know, just talking about a lot of the little scenes that you, you forget, you know, him smoking cigars, him sitting there drinking wine, and then not only once, but then going back to it again and having a party with Pretorius <laughs> in the catacombs. It was just like, it made me chuckle, but it was also like, it, it was fun to watch. And, then, and and like we just talked about the last five minutes of the movie, how intense that is when they unwrap mm-hmm. her and it just culminates in like this explosion and that's the end of the movie. And it's like, oh. That's too bad. It's like I wanted more. So, anyways, that that that's my take on it. You know, we we watched Dracula uh, before before these two, and, and like I said before, this is my first time watching any of these uh, these classic horror movies. Which again, I'm I'm ashamed to admit. Uh, I don't get me wrong. I like Dracula. Uh, I, I enjoyed it at the end of the day, but uh, man, parts of that movie felt very tedious to sit through for me, and I, I could see. Absolutely, see a contemporary viewer being like, "No, not for me." Uh, man, I fucking love these movies. These were great. These like they moved. The camera movements were more dynamic. Uh, it felt more like a movie than a, a play with a static camera, which is what Dracula felt like to me. Uh, you, you know, James Whales' direction with his uh, you know German expressionism influence. Uh, I, I fucking love. All that stuff. The way those movies look is is great. That's the iconic stuff that I was looking for. And uh, besides the fact, it's it's also paced really well. I thought like I could show these movies to my eleven year old daughter and she would probably like them. Whereas like Dracula, right. she'd probably fall asleep. Yeah, they're great. They're they're really really great. Filled with uh, some, some great actors. Uh, you, you know, obviously you still should kind of try and watch them with that nineteen thirties mentality, but uh, which you know it'll help. But I, I, I think they stand alone. Uh, I think they, they're, they're fantastic films, fantastic classic films that I'll probably revisit, um, which I, I can't say I will do that with Dracula. Again, I, I don't mean to like hate on that movie because I don't. I, I really did like it at the end. But man, Frankenstein, Barter Frankenstein, I mean, classics for a reason. Holy shit, they kick ass. Yeah, I agree. These, uh, I enjoyed these better than Dracula. It's it's amazing that not even a year later you can see the improvements that they made into making movies and how they started to understand it a little bit better, and also like the talent gap that you're getting. You know, Dracula's Todd Browning like wasn't into this format, and you can tell that James Whale fully was right, and he made full use of that. And yeah, a joy to watch. And as Luke was saying, it's like I was able to watch these movies with my kids in the room, and they're younger than yours, 
they've crossed the line into being just like you know fun movies to watch right you know and 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 movies to appreciate and uh be thankful that they exist so um yeah i had a lot of fun with these two Hell yeah. Thanks, Uncle John, for coming on and talking to us about Frankenstein. We appreciate it having you. Yeah, John, thank Uncle John, thank you so much. It was uh, my pleasure, man. I really enjoyed watching them again and, and sharing my thoughts. And uh, I appreciate you inviting me back. Definitely. Anytime. Before we let you go, uh, what's becoming uh, a little bit of a tradition, the second time here, is at the end of Dracula, I asked Luke, how many movies do you think Dracula had been a character in? And it's like, not, I'm not talking about Dracula movies. I was talking about Dracula as a character. And the answer was over 200. Wow. Um, so I'm going to ask the same question tonight about Frankenstein. How many movies has Frankenstein or Frankenstein's monster? I'm going to talk about the monster. I'm not talking about the doctor. Sure. Sure. Right. How many movies has that character been a character in a movie? Oh my god! If if Dracula was at two hundred, I got it. I got to put Frankenstein at five and a quarter. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> well, here, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna have you read to guess because Dracula is the number two most used character. Okay. The number one is Sherlock Holmes at like two hundred and eleven. All right, all right. So it's gonna be under Dracula. Uh, buck and a buck seventy five. Luke, all right. I'm gonna say um, I'm gonna say 150, even. 114. Oh, really? Shit. Yeah. Well, I, I would have thought a lot more than that. I really would have. I would have thought at least closer to Dracula than it is. Yeah. Right. yeah. Still a lot. <laughs> it still yeah. is a lot. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about like he's mentioning like Scooby Doo cartoons, right? <laughs> right. And stuff like that. Right. Right. I mean, I, get, I I don't think I have a list that has, like, TV appearances, so oh, there could okay. be more. Okay, 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 I gotcha. All right. And then also one more question. I would be uh, I would be upset if I didn't ask this one, considering that our guest is today. And, Luke, I don't know if you've ever felt this feeling, but uh, we're approaching the Thanksgiving holiday. Yep. And uh, as I was growing up, and, you know, Uncle John and I, we would spend a lot of our Thanksgivings together. We still... We still do. And one of the things when we were growing up is that always seemed to be on TV uh, was James Bond movies around Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For whatever reason. Yeah. So uh, whenever we hit November, I'm always in the James Bond kind of mood. So real quick, what's your favorite James Bond movie? Oh, man. That's Uh, a tough question. That's a tough question, my man, because I I fucking love James Bond movies, dude. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So it's not so it's not another half hour discussion. What's your favorite? What's your favorite Sean Connery James Bond? Movie? All right, Goldfinger. I'm gonna go with uh, From Russia with Love. Oh, the second one. Okay, yep. I'm I'm surprised that we all have different ones because I'm gonna say Thunderball. I was wondering oh. if you were gonna say that. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You, you want to do? Hey, you want to do? What's so? What's the next guy? Uh, is that uh, Roger uh, Moore? Well, uh, Roger Les- Moore. Roger, Roger Moore. Moore. Lazenby only did one of them, so you can't right. really put he's that. In, he's in yeah. count. All right, uh, favorite, favorite, favorite Roger Moore Bond movie. Octopussy. <laughs> really? Uh, I mean, that one's not, that one's better than people think it is. I know it's just funny. <laughs> Octopussy. <laughs> Octopussy, man. Uh, that movie's ridiculous, but I love it. Um, no, but my my favorite one is um, it's got to be the Spy Who Loved Me, man. I love that movie. That movie's. Great. I agree. Spy Who Loved Me is pretty good. Uh, yeah. That would be my favorite Roger Moore one. And then uh, Timothy Dalton. I guess you only had two of them, right? It was the Living yeah. Daylights, and what was the other one? Oh, uh, license, oh to license to kill. Oh yeah, uh, living living daylights was better in my opinion. Yeah, yep, yep. Agreed. And they Agreed. Pierce Brosnan. Right? Uh, the Pierce Brosnan one. Still, the, the first one he did was Goldeneye. That was my favorite one of his. Yeah, I like Goldeneye. Same. Good. I got to go with Goldeneye. Although I I do really really like Tomorrow Never Dies. It's like right right there for me. I I, I really I kind of love that movie. And then uh, Daniel Craig. Well. Um, for me, it's Skyfall. What was the, was that the one with uh, where they they go to the island and he's got the his nemesis is the blonde haired wacko dude. No, Blofeld? that's the one that's right after it. Yeah, that's the one after it. That's the uh, the so, finisher. 
a little spoiler we'll for, for Sky. A little spoiler Skyfall for, for Skyfall if you haven't if people haven't seen it, but that that's the one where uh where M dies. Right. The original M, Judy Dench. That's that's the one where it's killed. got the opening yes. action sequence is like the motorcycles through the London like train tunnel and on top of the roofs and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought it was in Italy. Well, whatever. But yeah, Skyfall. It could have been favorite. in Italy. I don't know wherever it was, but yeah. Skyfall is my favorite one of those. Yeah. Yep. That was a good one. Agreed. All right. So, so for real this time, thank you for being here, Uncle John. All we right. really appreciate it. All right. Well, you yep. guys have a good night. Uncle John, you as well. Uh, come, come back anytime. Appreciate the invitation. The Review to Death podcast is written and produced by the both of us. We release new episodes on Mondays. Thank you to Groove Witness for the use of their music. You can find them at GrooveWitness.us. Check out our written reviews at the link in the description and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Review to Death. Thank you for listening. And Luke, what's coming up next? Coming up next, we're going to watch the 1941 Universal Monster Classic, The Wolfman. That's pretty much all I got. Later, Gators. An audience needs something stronger than a pretty little love story. So why shouldn't I write of monsters? It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. Fire. No good. No.